You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hi, everyone. It's Retail Refined coming to you live from Rice 2023. I'm your host, Melissa Gonzalez. And sitting with me is my host, Ari Peralta. He is a neuroscientist and also a sensorial designer, director of Aragami. Thank you so much for sitting with me, Ari. Thank you, Melissa, for having me. Yeah. So we have so much we're going to dive into, but we're live from the conference. So it's a little short form. So I'm going to get right into it. Let's tell the audience to, to set the stage of today's conversation. What is sensorial design? So when we talk about sensorial design, we're talking about human beings being multisensory. The way we interpret the world is through our multiple senses, not just through sight, uh, which is what most of us focus in design, but also through what we hear, through what we feel, through what we smell. And I help brands really align those sensory cues to make sure that it's a comfortable, harmonious and beautiful experience. Today, brands are struggling with a hyper-segmented consumer mm-hmm. who's overwhelmed, and by overwhelmed, I mean sensory overload. Yes. Um, and there's something each brand can do to kind of optimize their environments, not just enrich them, but optimize them so that the information isn't overloaded, it's received, and yeah, that's what sensory design is all about, empowering humans. I love that. So today you are going to be speaking and this will be airing post. So I'm not giving away any secrets. Um, let's tell the audience, what, is the, what are some of the points that you're going to be sharing uh, on today's session here at Rice? Well, you know, my main session is from store building to world building and mind building. And I it's really yeah. looking at this evolution of marketing as a role in retail design. And how do we advance from campaigns to actually building outcomes and relationships? That's what I'll be focusing on today and some of the best practices that we've seen from large companies that can be applied to small, medium companies as well. So it's important that we all understand out there that sensory design isn't something just for luxury brands. Mm -hmm. It's for anywhere there's a human, whatever that environment is. So we've had some conversations about this. And when you think of its applicability in retail, a lot of times brands and retailers do these deep dives and they create these customer personas, the consumer personas. But as you approach sensorial design, you take an approach of sensorial personas. Can you tell us a little bit about your framework for that? And then how does that translate to design? Great. So let's first talk about what personas are, right? A lot of people have different definitions for them, but basically it's a combination of demographic information, your location, your age, things like that, your gender, plus new psychometric information, psychographic information, your attitudes and behaviors. Now we're adding a third layer to the mix. What are people's sensory preferences? What are their arousal types? What are their value systems that they interpret information in? We feel that these three components provide a much more holistic understanding of customers, what they perceive, how they perceive, and ultimately our brand is how do we translate our message to as many different people as possible? So I love that. So when you apply that to retail too, right? And we think about, uh, brands think about their design principles, their kit of parts. How do they start to incorporate some of those elements as they're doing that upfront homework? You know, Melissa, I think we're in the age of innovation. And as I've shared uh, during the opening at Retail Innovation uh, Conference with my co-chair, Kathy Hackle, you know, we are questioning what innovation is in 2023. Is it technology? 
Is it systems? Is it AI? I still think that innovation is all about people. So when we're looking at how do we empower brands to empower people, it's really about taking a stance around wellness and well-being. What does your brand define as well-being? And then really reinterpreting that in the lighting, in the sound, in the scent, and most importantly, in the integration of the sensory information. Yeah. So can you tell our audience, would there, are there any projects that you would have worked on, um, and it's mostly brands and retail or retail technologists listening, uh, that they would have seen on, out in the field and, and the application of some of the things that you're talking about? Well, I think right now is an exciting time where with the recent launch of Apple Vision Pro, mm -hmm. uh, the recent announcement of uh, Emerge Haptics plus Disney, what we're starting to see are that major brands are collaborating with sensory enabling technologies. And I want to bring those to your attention because these technologies like Apple Vision Pro, really, you can't really apply it yet. Right. But there are other elements of sensory design that can be applied today. And I think uh, in particular sound, uh, I think that's where we're helping brands the most. Uh, not just so much identifying a sound uh, identity, but really reducing noise pollution, which is a uh, something that really turns people off when they're shopping. Yeah. So we're looking at, uh, with different brands, what are people's reactions in stores? How do we keep them longer in store? But also how to ensure that that experience in store is memorable. And I think this is where we're evolving from an experience economy to a transformation economy. Yeah. And going back to that talk we were having about outcomes and relationships, you know, selling a product isn't good enough. Right. Selling a product and experience also isn't good enough. But selling or offering people through your products and services an opportunity for people to identify who they are, their pursuit, their purpose. I think these are the deeper things that customers and brands are now having conversations around. Well, it's definitely a deeper emotional connection that you create when you can do that, when you empower that and enable that. Um, well, we can't talk about sensorial elements like, like, like light and sound without thinking about wellness, right? And so that's another conversation and a theme that's uh, top of mind, I think, today, and we're such in early innings of it. But as you do this work and we think of the overlap of wellness in retail, um, what are some of the things that you're investigating? What are you curious about? What are you excited about? You know, I, I continuously talk about sensory overload. And just to frame that, sensory overload is when we, our brain is overwhelmed with sensory input, whether that's lighting, scent, uh, sound, it's typically a combination. And it happens when these sensory inputs are incongruent. In other words, they're in conflict. And I want to give you a very solid example. Uh, if you're eating an Italian meal in a beautiful Italian restaurant and they are playing Mexican music, which is great music, by the way. It's confusing. Um, it, it confuses the brain. It yeah. takes more time for the brain to interpret why is this happening. Now, this is a conflict we see a lot with retail fashion stores, right? Where let's say they're showcasing fall, winter, yet Katy Perry's Summer Girls album <laughs> is playing, right? This inconsistency, it's funny to us because we, we know to do better, but ultimately these things slide by. These things make a subconscious uh, distraction to the human brain. And when we talk about wellness and sensory overload, Going back to your question on what are we focusing on, we're focusing on what is the right light to shop in? Mm -hmm. What are the right sounds to shop in? But not just 
for the environment you're creating, but taking into acknowledging the other sensory elements that are already there. So a lot of the issues that most retailers deal with uh, have nothing to do with their design, but have to do with HVAC systems, uh, yeah. things like that. Of that yeah. nature. No, you. so as you say that, because my question was going to be, um, as you layer in sensorial, which which sets a mindset and a, and, a, and a tone and, you know, shapes kind of like a state of being, how do you work to balance that with the functional needs of some of those elements? For example, lighting. There's a sensorial element to it, but then there's also just the functional element of lighting as well. You know, function and purpose are key to sensory design. So back to congruency, right? Back to this idea of harmony between the senses function also serves its role and if the function is not there then you're just wasting your time with sensory design ultimately where we see brands really win is when they tie in the story they optimize the environments for human health but then they enrich it and i think that that's where sensory design 3.0 looking at mood-based systems looking at interactive systems it's giving us a different way of looking at retail from static to dynamic right from uh this is what we've presented as a product to this is a co-creative story and this is where world building is really changing the game uh gamification is not just for games it's about how the brain rewards itself and its systems we can take these applications learn from other industries like gaming and really help people create and immerse in the worlds that these brands are creating. Most brands have a very strong visual identity. Mm -hmm. Especially but, they're born on digital. Especially if they're uh, digitally native, but they, they are in a position now where they must evolve their proposition. Mm -hmm. And again, we can't turn off one of our senses. You know, I mean, I can kind of plug my nose it real quick. It impacts everything else. Exactly, it, yeah. it changes the story. So ultimately, I think what, what we're looking at for brands uh, in this new hybrid world is how do we deliver sensory information in brick and mortar, but also how do we translate some of these non-present senses mm -hmm. in an online digital format where people can engage with content, but more than that, engage with the expectations and memories they have of products. So I wanna share an example. Yeah. Uh, we can make you taste something without you tasting something. Right, because if you smell it. Not even smelling like scent, it. But I mean, uh, scent is so highly tied to taste. 80% of taste is scent. So yes, you can simulate uh, a taste through scent. But I'm talking now digital without okay. any other devices. There are fonts that feel more acidic than others. Mm, of course. There are colors that we reference to more acidic than others. When we pair these sensory attributes with the storytelling and function that you're talking about, then that leads to what we call a congruent story. Mm -hmm. And today we're talking about multi-sensory storytelling. People don't receive information just visually. And you have to think about your customer. They are overwhelmed. Yeah. They're being bombarded with advertisements, now personalized ads, um, et cetera, and a lot of different worlds that they walk into. I think the great thing about world building and, and thinking of the work that you've done, for example, so beautifully creating world building inside a physical space, now it's taking some of those sensory references and attributes and how do we translate them online? 
uh, in neuroscience, we talk about this as perceptual reenactments. So basically, how do we fill the void with information that's already there in your brain? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's more of how do we build a partnership based on your memories, highlight the things that we can, and reinforce those across as many touch points as possible. Yeah, it's like that um, conversation around like the RGB list. Like, how do we get it on your important list? Because think about it. Um, my brother was in the market for a certain kind of car. He never noticed that car before. But then it became on his important list in his mind. And the amount of times he noticed it and saw it changed drastically once it got put on that list mentally. That's a beautiful example for how attention works. It's a combination of sensation, perception, and that focus. But they all work harmoniously together uh, when they do right, right? And our attention goes to things that we feel, but beyond that, things that we can reference how we feel. We have a predictive brain. And it's important to understand that most of our decisions are subconscious. Mm -hmm. So we can help customers guide them to make better decisions, but also empower them through well-being uh, through the senses as well. We've done some incredible examples off of retail, like guiding people back to their rooms with dementia, helping me, uh, people remember uh, names and other kind of functional things, uh, yeah. neurophysiology, uh, through the neurophysiology of someone's uh, perception. But ultimately, with retail, it's about enriching the journey, making it make sense doesn't always mean adding more sensory stimuli. It's just ensuring that the sensory stimuli that you have there speaks to one another and it makes sense. Most of us have these expectations of what a score is, but with these new hybrid worlds, right. everything is changing. The point of the store is evolving so much. Well, this is you're always so forward thinking and I love that. And so as you have these conversations with brands and retailers, right, about this kind of different way of thinking and layering in sensorial elements and thinking of sensorial personas. How do you get them to start piloting this? Like, how do you get them to a framework? Okay, this is how we're going to measure success so they can see the impact that it's having and then ultimately take it to market and roll it out. The key is data. Research and insights is key to applying and deploying um, sensory design. We start by creating sensory profiles. And this is, again, a third layer of information and data that can be gathered together with, infograph uh, with demographic and psychographic information. When we understand somebody's sensory preferences, we're not just looking at what types of music they like, what types of uh, sense they like, but we're also looking at what triggers them negatively so that we can avoid that. And with sensory profiling, it's more of understanding not just those preferences, but almost those contraindications uh, that you can become aware of. What's interesting is that we're helping brands evolve their research and insights approach by getting customers involved. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to follow the models of data sourcing and data mining from the past without people's involvement. I think one of the greatest strengths we've had is empowering people to build their own sensory preferences mm -hmm. and sensory profiles by sharing those preferences. And I can see a very near future where we help customers co-sell that data to the brands that are important to them. So they get those more personalized experiences. Yes. Actually personalized. Everybody uses the buzzword, but not everybody delivers upon that. Well, I think we're, we're at this nexus point of the evolution from customization to personalization. And what personalization allows us is precision. 
how do you say that message? How do you convey that message in the best way possible for that person? We're seeing organizations like PepsiCo uh, bring in some incredible tools uh, from our friends at Aki who are personalizing uh, uh, digital advertisements based on different permutations. Uh, but when you add sensory information to that, it changes how you approach it, right? It's no longer just about key message and key location. It's, is this the right moment to deliver that message? And what is the best sensory channel to anchor that moment with? Mm -hmm. Well, you're already so forward thinking, but before we wrap, I always like to ask, do you think of the future five years down the road? What's the one thing you're most excited about? I'm really excited about this new era of co-creation. And just like the example I just mentioned with data co-selling with the customer, I think this is a new era of partnership and collaboration. And I'm really excited to partner with individuals like yourself and incredible retail organizations that are taking on the responsibility of how do we retail better? We've talked about retail therapy for a long time and it has its merits, but I think beyond consumption, what we're looking at is how do brands empower human beings to find their purpose? And in the age of authenticity, brands who help elevate that, like Nike, like Disney, right? Apple. They're, Apple, they're, they're creating not just incredible store environments that are multi-sensory, they're creating worlds where you can discover yourself where you can discover your fitness goals, where you can discover your imagination goals or development goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I look forward to that and um, our collaboration opportunities. So thank you so much for sitting with me today. Um, you have a lot going on at this conference, so I'm glad we could share some of those tidbits to the audience who couldn't be here live. Um, everybody again, this is Ari Peralta, director at Aragami. Thanks so much for sitting with me. Thank you. Thank you.